Angela, I'd like to talk about a Supreme Court decision that came out in uh, June of this year that dealt with asylum. And I'm going to set the decision up. At least I'm going to explain the mechanics of how asylum works when you present yourself at the border. And then we can discuss the decision. And I think the issue that both you and I have are how the media inaccurately portrayed this decision by the Supreme Court. And in my opinion, and I'm sure we'll get your thoughts too, is I think they did, I think they portrayed it inaccurately to, to kind of uh, support the narrative that they're trying to get uh, across to to their viewers. So the decision this past June dealt with asylum. And just to explain to people procedurally how this procedure works, is when somebody presents themselves um, at the U.S. border and they don't have any permission or any visa to enter the country legally, they get placed in expedited removal proceedings. And once they get placed in expedited removal proceedings because they don't have any permission to enter the country, normally they're removed or deported from the country unless they claim fear of returning to their country. If they claim fear uh, of returning back to their country, then they're afforded or given what's called a credible fear interview. And a credible fear interview is an interview that's done by an immigration official. And an immigration official will ask an applicant some questions regarding their fear of returning. In order to pass the credible fear interview, an applicant has to show that there's a significant possibility that they can establish before a hearing before an immigration judge that they would be eligible for asylum here in the United States. So if the applicant passes the credible fear interview, then they're allowed to continue with the process. They're allowed to see an immigration judge and present present their case before the immigration judge. If the asylum officer denies a credible fear interview, then basically they're removed or they're deported back to their country. Now, before the Supreme Court decision in June, applicants were allowed to uh, appeal the denial of a a, um, credible fear interview to a federal court. It's called a petition for habeas corpus. So what this decision did was basically it just stated that the applicant no longer has the right to petition in the federal court a denial of a credible fear interview, but that's kind of that's not the way that the media has portrayed this particular decision. I want to I want to clarify a couple of things that that you said just to to kind of give our our listeners just kind of a an understanding of of how we got here, okay? So the, this particular procedure that we're talking about that was at issue at, in the Supreme Court was part of a law, a package that was passed by Congress and signed by President Bill Clinton called IRA. It's colloquially known as IRA-IRA, but it's the Immigration Illegal Immigration Reform Act of 1996, and it became effective in 1997. And that's where we got this entire expedited removal procedure that you're talking about. And what it basically said is, like you said, that if you come up to the border and you don't have any documents and you're saying, hey, I'm afraid to go back to my country, there's a specific procedure that's not going to take you through the normal route. It's going to be expedited. And what you get to do is, like you said, you have this interview with an immigration official. And if the immigration official finds that, you know what, you're not going to be able to prove your case in front of the immigration judge, then you do have a remedy. And the remedy is that 
the, the case goes to the supervisor and the supervisor reviews it. And let's say the supervisor still says, you know what? Yeah, this, this person's not going to be able to establish the facts. Then you get yet another level of review, which is you do get to go to the immigration judge. And all the immigration judge can do is look to see whether or not the, the interview was conducted appropriately and all of that. And if the, ju if the judge agrees, then that's it. You get sent back to home country. Okay. And the law that, and it's talked about in the Supreme Court case that came down on June 25th, that IRA-IRA, the, like I said, the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act of 1996, basically said you couldn't, you didn't have the ability at that point to go to the federal court and appeal. Okay. And it said that it, and this is section 1252E2, 8 USC, that said that the court may not review the determination that an applicant, applicant lacks a credible fear of persecution. So all that means is after those three steps that I just outlined, the interview with the officer, the supervisor reviews it, and then the judge says, nope, that's it, then there's no further going to the federal court to appeal. And this particular section of law, 1252E2, said nobody else gets to review it. That's it. You're out of luck. You got you to gotta go. So what attorneys have been doing since the passage of this law back in 1996 is they've been circumventing that 1252 by filing a habeas petition. Okay. And this has been, this is not a, an issue that has just come up in 2020. This has been 23 years or so in the making in that the government always opposes these on the, on, on the premise that there is no appellate review of these applications. Okay. So what the, what the Ninth Circuit did, and the, it's a Ninth Circuit decision that's at issue in this Supreme Court case. What the Ninth Circuit did was say, look, they do get to file a habeas petition because of the suspension clause in the Constitution. The government appealed that Ninth Circuit decision to the Supreme Court. And that was the issue that was decided on June 25th, whether or not an applicant for asylum at the border who has not passed his credible fear interview gets to file a habeas petition. And if they do not get to file a habeas petition, is it a constitutional violation under the suspension clause of the U.S. Constitution? That's the issue that was decided there. And the Supreme Court, the Supreme well, Court said, and it was a seven to two decision, okay? Two of the justices were simply concurring in the, in the majority, which was five justices. And then there was two that dissented. They said, the suspension clause does not apply here, okay? One of the issues was, and the decision is called, just, just for the record, it's DHS, which is Department of Homeland Security versus, and I'm probably destroying this man's name, who was an asylum applicant from Sri Lanka, who uh, took this up to the, the Supreme Court. And they said the suspension clause just simply doesn't apply here because this is not what habeas petitions 
were designed to do. First of all, this man is not in detention. And this is, like I said, this was not what the suspension clause, the suspension clause is not applicable in this particular scenario. And so there's, it's, I mean, it's a very interesting decision if any of our listeners get to the chance to read it, because it really does go into the, the history of habeas in the United States, the suspension clause, and then it, it really, you know, points out the differences between the two arguments that the, that the attorneys were making in this case. And a lot of the arguments that they were making were based on really old case law about when habeas is applicable. Now, that said, I then go to read all of the news coverage that followed that decision. And none of what you and I just discussed was anywhere in the news, the news media. I just want to read to you some of the, the headlines covering this particular decision. And I'm reading them from mainstream news, news media. Okay, so this is a, the, so taking in mind everything that we just discussed about what was actually decided in that Supreme Court decision, the Supreme Court says, I mean, I'm sorry, the New York Times says, Supreme Court says rejected asylum seekers have no right to object in court. Okay, no, no, that's not what it said. No, no, that's not what the decision was about. <laughs> Okay. Follow that up with the Washington Post. Supreme Court agrees with Trump administration on limits for asylum seekers. Okay. A little better than the New York Times, but not by much. The Guardian. Oh, dear. Trump's power to deport asylum seekers boosted by Supreme Court ruling. Keep going. CNN. Supreme Court rules asylum seeker cannot challenge removal. Mm. And the NPR, Supreme Court sides with the Trump administration in asylum cases. Okay, none of those, like I said, is accurate of what actually happened because this particular Supreme Court decision was very limited to a very specific group of asylum seekers, those that are seeking asylum at a port of entry and are subject to this provision of expedited removal. As you and I both know, because we practice in this area of law, most of the people that are applying for asylum in the United States are not applying in this method, okay? They're applying through the normal, what we call the 208 provisions, which is they either have come in through a port of entry with a visa, and then they affirmatively file an asylum application, and they go to one of the many asylum offices throughout the United States for a non-adversarial interview, and then if they do not pass that interview and they get referred to court, then they get the chance to present their entire case before one of the 250 or 300 judges in the United States and have essentially a mini trial where they get to present all of the evidence. That's where the bulk of asylum applicants is coming from not the credible fear interviews at the border. You would not know any of that if you read any of the articles that I just pointed out to because none of them talked about the the procedural aspects or the facts that, you know, that the, that make these individuals at the border particularly unique and none of them really touched on the issues 
of what the actual legal issues were in the Supreme Court case. I mean, the one article that I did find that tried to touch on it, the CNN did to a certain extent, they did at least mention that this was uh, a 1996 law that limited judicial review. They did mention it. The one where they did try to go into it was a Fox News article where they did try to go into the background of this specific law and issue and what was at issue in, in the case. Now, I guess what I wanted to discuss with you, Rich, was what, what do you think is the reason why there is such a disconnect between a Supreme Court decision on immigration and the media coverage on it? One of the things, you know, since we both practice in this area, no other area of law is subject to this. I mean, if, for all our friends that do personal injury, family law, that, there are issues that go up to the Supreme Court on a variety of, of different, a variety of different uh, legal issues. But it, it seems the ones that, you know, wind up making these, these news stories about is the immigration one. And I'm wondering why, why there's that disconnect. Do you think that it's, because I've thought about it and is it that the reporters themselves are not cognizant of what the issue was in the Supreme Court case and they're just kind of all, for lack of a better term, just talking out of their asses? Or is it that the agenda to begin with is let's make it an anti-Trump story and no, you know, and let's just run with that? Is it that you know, bad journalism? Is there an agenda? Is it the the difficulty of explaining it to their particular audience? What do you think it is? Well, I don't really think that there's a disconnect. I think what they're doing is on purpose. Obviously, the most of the media has a certain agenda. And as we talked about in the previous broadcast, and that agenda is to paint Trump in the worst light possible. And uh, as you were talking here, I, I pulled up real quick a CNN article also on that particular decision. And <laughs> I'm laughing here because it basically it says, uh, a Sri Lankan farmer who lost the bid for asylum in the United States after immigration right. officials ordered his issue removal, whether not or not, like I said, court, habeas applies which in is this context not even remotely based on a law that, <laughs> to what that um, decision said. As um, I said, Bill Clinton passed in 1996, saying there's no judicial review of the decision once you know once those three parties, the 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 officer, the supervisor, and the judge have already reviewed it. There's no going into federal court. Yeah, so if, if you just read this article or uh, or any article that you mentioned, it, it makes it sound like people are, are are fleeing persecution, arriving at the border, it gets denied, and there's no appeal of that right, uh, of that denial, which is obviously couldn't be further from the truth. And uh, again, I think the the, the 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 point from the media is to paint Trump in, a, in the worst light possible, because again, what they're reporting 
couldn't be further from the truth. The other thing is, I really think that they really have to dumb this down for their audience because what we just discussed as far as I, I do kind of disagree with you. Let's face it, ninety percent of the U.S. population. I, I just don't think that that's, this might be the mean. Are not going to understand that. Um, so what they're trying to do is they really. A number of people, if they took the time to read the decision, and it is 98 pages long, would understand the issue. I just don't think that it's required now, particularly of journalists, because one of the things that I found when I was reading a lot of these articles is the similarities between the articles. I don't think I, I would put money on it that many of these, if not all of the authors of these articles, didn't even bother to read the decision. Why? Because it was necessary for what they were trying to perhaps achieve, which was basically just say, oh, look, this administration saying no to asylum, as opposed to actually doing their job, which huh. is to investigate the situation and report on it. And this is a situation where I do not cut them any slack because, you know, if, if, if they're reporting on something, I don't know, Hurricane Maria in, in Puerto Rico, and they just couldn't get out there and really be boots on the ground to see what was actually going on, then you can give a reporter a pass of he had to rely on secondary sources and so on. But here, the decision, the 98-page decision is on the internet for everybody to see. So there's absolutely no reason why The Guardian, The Nation, NPR couldn't read the decision and actually present it in a way that the non-legal audience could understand it because there is a way to just present you know we talk in legalese all the time because this is this is our job but there is a way to present legal topics to a, a general lay audience without going into all of the legalese of hey 8 usc 1252 this that the other so i say i don't think that it's that people are in any way incapable or dumb, or anything like that, that they can't understand the decision. I think that it it is not convenient for the authors of these articles to present the issues, because then we'd actually be having a discussion about, hey, does habeas actually apply in this particular context? Hey, did that launch in 1996? Was, was that something that we should have passed? Or perhaps maybe we should have approached it differently, this, that, the other. We would actually be having a discussion of the issue. Nobody wants a discussion of the issue. They just want to say, hey, look, this guy denied asylum. Like you said, this administration, bad. And that's what you're supposed to get out of the article. And that's it. And so I guess for me, the, the, the solution, if you will, or the, the way to perhaps combat what is going on in the media is, when you do have the ability to actually go to the source, like in a case like this, where you can actually go ahead and read the Supreme Court decision, give it, give it a go. Read it. Make up your own mind after you've looked at the issue. And, and the thing is, that takes time. If you're really invested in actually informing yourself and making an informed decision about a topic such as this, you are going to have to do the legwork. Because the, none of the none of these articles solved or, or informed anybody about anything. They are like 400 words of just, hey, this, like I said, this is asylum was denied and, and this administration bad and, and that's it. And that's all you're supposed to get out of it. If you really want to understand the issue and make up your own mind, you're actually going to have to read the decision.
Yeah, but I mean, realistically, Angela, how many people are going to sit there and read the entire decision or try to uh, to get themselves well informed on what the decision specifically stated? And, you know, and is, this is, day and age, is that it's, it's not the, the reason? CNN, MSNBC, they know. Not just about this. Not, not just about this topic, but so many uh, other topics. Headline, or maybe the first three lines of the headline, article. And now all of a sudden, it, I know exactly what they know, I'm an expert on it. And, and then so I just retweet it. I just, you know, start talking about it without not knowing anything. And here we are. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but we, we do a article says, and I, I, I can almost not, I can't even say without laughing. That are this at is the border. The, it doesn't apply the headline. to Supreme the majority Court rules of the applicants. And that's another thing. I mean, we, we're going to be able to talk about this. We could go on and on on this, you know, on this topic. We're just talking about one decision. Imagine. So, but this is very indicative of how they cover immigration because if when it comes to asylum the media has portrayed all asylum seekers essentially as being on the border and they're most of them from central america they're you know basically being turned back to mexico uh, and you and i practice in the field and that's that's not where the majority of the asylum applicants are They come to the airport. <laughs> that, that's what they do. They come to the airport. Correct, correct. But, you know, yeah, and I'm looking at the name of these two reporters who wrote this article for CNN, and I'm 100% certain that they did not read this decision because there's no way you could read that decision and come up with that headline. I, I don't know what the procedures are over at CNN, but I have a feeling that somebody I mean, reads the decision they and then they, they craft the narrative and then they pass know what they're doing reporters and they write the, the article with that little information are, they have. Because again, this is more than just either not irresponsible journalism. Or this is they are flat activists lie. instead and of again, being, you know, reporters, and they just, they skimmed it, or they read it, and they, and then they heard or assumed what they wanted to assume. I mean, I would have a chance to, oh, and, and we didn't even touch on my, my two personal favorites, Telemundo and Univision, because you know, you know what happens when all of these headlines come out, right? I'm sure you experience this as well as I do. The next day, your phone and your office is ringing off the hook. Yeah, I mean, that, because that's everybody hard to talk. calls your office hold, saying, uh, I heard uh, on the I'm TV guessing... that they're deporting everybody and nobody can get asylum. That's literally what happens the day after one of these decisions comes down uh, yeah, and the media <laughs> inaccurately portrays it. They scare everybody, they get everybody riled up, and then. The immigration attorney is the one that has to explain to everybody, okay, no, that's that's not actually what, what they said. So I don't know. I, I would love the chance to actually interview or ask a few questions of these reporters and say, okay, so 
when you're when you're writing this article, okay, and it says, you know, Supreme Court rules asylum seeker cannot challenge removal. Okay, what do you mean by that? Because that's not the, what's the decision I just read. So I'm just wondering how you got there. It, it would be a fascinating conversation because then we'd really get to the answers that you and I are are talking about. Is it just is it an agenda? Oh, yeah. Is it that somebody didn't know? Is it that you know? Because I would love to know because it's not just it's not just one news outlet. It was all of them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. In, in all of these articles, nobody was ever talking about, okay, can you file a habeas petition in this scenario when the law says in, in 1997, yeah. and, and 1996, has, 97 says that you specifically had no ability to appeal it. This isn't a right thing or a And I don't think you have to be a lawyer to see that in the decision. This is about at least just present the facts. I mean, the, the, the standard is so low for the media now. The, the standard is so low that they can't even just present the facts. And let Yeah, correct. And again, again, it's it's just, uh, I mean, when it comes down to it, if you want me just to kind of sum it up in a nice little package, I think the higher sure. up the And scene, at the end of the day, I think, know exactly you know, to sum it up as well, across. it's about rating. And, somehow the, and the, there's the, so many the of these that the they have to be the ones that give, a, you know, an alarmist headline and again, I, I that think has that, no basis uh, in the decision. So afraid of just reporting but the facts, it, um, if they report the facts, that means people are going to be able to decide for themselves. You know, it's easier than the crap narrative. Because if you start talking about habeas and 1252E and all of that, then you know what? And, Somebody and might move on these, to like said, something that, you know, the little shiny object. And that's all they are, the little shiny object, because they're, they sure as hell aren't informing anybody. Yeah, and, and, and again... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, and this leads to a a broader discussion. Obviously, not just dealing with uh, with immigration, but obviously um, with the COVID. Earlier, not, not to get off this track is here, a situation you know, you where you know, in your example, dies we, we really what the can't going on here? go to the and hospital and, and see, the, see what the, the child died of with the COVID or something else. In, in this scenario, you do the have the decision online. And they so, died of the heart um, problem. I, I know you keep saying that you know, I'm basically the only nurse who read the 98 times. People think that babies are dying all over the place. If there's any younger people out there who are listening. Listening to this, who want to become attorneys or who are just really out um, interested in in knowing more about the subject and not relying on the uh, the mainstream media for their for their information, I would encourage you read read it, give it give it a shot. Even if you only read the headers, 
I still think you're going to be so much more informed than if you read any of the articles that we mentioned tonight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. the NPR article that I that I quote that I just quoted it had on the top of the header. And then that on that same point, I think a lot of it's just making because apparently, if you were going to read something information from the article, digestible. And I, I think they're probably thinking you start to go into all the uh, procedure and the legal definitions, like we discussed. They're going to lose ninety-five percent of the people. They won't even get mm -hmm. through the article. So a lot of it has mm -hmm. to do with just trying to present it so it's completely digestible to the mm -hmm. layperson. And again, unfortunately, mm -hmm. when you do that, the, the facts suffer. Well, and I'm sure I they have saying that, that the average person necessary if we're going to be able to move the discussion along sure uh, regardless of where you stand <laughs> on, on this particular issue. You've got to understand the facts and the, and the law underlying it and not rely on just these 400-word uh, 400, little blips that absolutely do nothing. <laughs> well, uh, and, uh, but again, I, I'm sure they have the statistics showing the four minutes will lose everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these, these are all kind of pretty uniform, these articles. But uh, to do this article the right way and present the facts the way they should be and analyze the decision the way it should be, it's yeah. going to be a lot more than a four-minute read. But mm -hmm. yeah. they're not going to do that. Oh, well. Um, but we will shortly, because we've run out of time tonight, discuss the uh, more timely one. That is about the the DACA ruling. Sounds good. All right. Good night, everybody. Yeah, and it, this it, this article could have simply been presented in a very unobjective, unbiased way and just present the facts only. But again, Supreme Supreme Court rules asylum seeker cannot challenge removal. I mean, I I I don't even know what to say. I'm almost like I'm almost like just. So shocked I can't even do that do that heading. Uh yeah, so we'll save that for the next podcast and then we shall go from there. Right. Next podcast and then we shall go from there. Good night.